Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. You know, sometimes even God makes mistakes. Sometimes nature has one too many and creates a creature that many would argue should not exist. But one creature in particular puzzled scientists' minds. At first, not even believing in its existence, thinking it was a hoax. Then scientists to each other started asking, how did this animal come to be? You may know this creature, popularized in media. I'm talking about this weird and strange platypus. But... Before I go down all the strange features that make up a platypus, or platypuses, yes, that's the correct pearl name for platypus, Nick, how are you, and what are you drinking? I am doing good. I just got some shock top here, and can you walk me through that, the correct for plural of platypuses again? Platypuses. Platypuses, because I, I really wish it was platypi, but what are you drinking I am drinking some whiskey with a lot of ice, and boy, thank God for ice. Nick, we are going to Australia, figuratively, not physically, to talk about a creature, which after researching it, I am not sure if it's an experiment gone wrong or Mother Nature just hitting the shuffle button on evolution. The platypuses are part of the monotreme order. Monotremes diverging from other mammals about 166 million years ago, and platypus's ancestors and platypus-like animals used to be on just about every other continent. But over time, evolution and, well, Mother Nature caused them to die out. Now platypuses are only found on the east coast of Australia in freshwater systems. And that is normal as you get with the platypus. From here on out, they only get weirder and they only get odder. To describe what a platypus, Did you, in case you're not... Is familiar, that a pun... No, it's not, but I like the otter, and that, that'll work. Nick, you're, I'm, I'm conditioning so much to recognize puns when they're not even there. It's, it's more of a fear than anything else. <laughs> to describe what a platypus, in case those listening are not familiar with what they look like, well, imagine a creature with the bill of a duck, tail of a beaver, body like an otter, its limbs on the side of its body like a reptile, web feet like a pelican, and that's what a platypus, the best way I can describe it. Brown in color like a beaver, this strange animal relatively small in the animal kingdom. Males ranging from 15 to 25 inches, weighing 2 to 7 pounds. While females are anywhere from 14 to 22 inches, weighing 1 to 4 pounds. I kept it imperial, Nick, just for you. I, and that's what I appreciate about you. These creatures are not just strange in appearance, but strange in biology and of behavior. Let's start with their moment of birth. Females will lay one to three eggs. That's right, these mammals lay eggs. They will have a 21 gestation period, the period in which a female develops the young inside of her. From there, she'll lay eggs about the size of a marble out of her coleca. Yes, platypuses have colecas like birds, and incubate them for about 10 days. After 10 days, the eggs will hatch and they out will emerge puggles. Puggles? 
This is this is a ridiculous. Who the fuck came up with this? Well, it's uh it's uh Nick, I'm pretty sure everyone was high when they had to deal with platypuses. The name Puggles is the actual name for baby platypuses. The word puggle is used to describe baby monotremes in general, but for platypuses is stuck as its official name for their young. The similar to kangaroos, all their babies are called joeys, is the same with platypuses, are all called puggles. Now when I say baby joeys, again you probably think like I did, a baby kangaroo. But in fact, joeys is used to describe baby marsupials. And a generic term that just stuck is now heavily associated with pu- platypuses, puggles. The puggles will hatch from their eggs and they're about the size of a jelly bean. Born hairless, looking like a hairless mole or a shrew. An ugly cute thing if I had to describe them. Now, you may think when these eggs are forming, the possibility of sex of these mammals, like the rest of the mammals in the world, would be male or female. But with platypuses, nothing is ever simple. You see, the birth of the platypuses are not male or female. In fact, the platypuses have 10 possible sex chromosome combinations. Five different combinations for males, five different combinations for females. But, like every mammal, the baby puggles will receive nutritious milk from their mother for about three to four months. But instead of the normal way of getting milk from the mother, female platypuses don't have nipples to nurse their young. Instead, the females sweat their milk onto their belly oh for the young to I lap it up and weird. nurse on it. Oh, it gets weirder. This odd lactation feeding process actually might be useful for us humanity. It's uh, This milk is very good against fighting against bacteria and possibly viruses. Uh, not sweating out the milk. God, that'd be awful if every time I went for a run I sweated milk. But the platypus's milk Texas nutrition would make... smell really bad. Oh, yes, that would. Oh, I I think I would cut off whatever nerve sensors for my nose if that was the case. But their, their milk might help humans in the future help fend off against bacteria infections. Now, both the males and females are born with teeth and spurs. These spurs are a venomous spike located in their hind leg on each side. But after a year, the females will lose their spurs while the, main, while the males will maintain theirs. Along with losing a body mechanism, both the males and females will lose all their teeth in about one to two years old. Instead to eat with their food, they'll use a process in which I have no idea, evolutionary-wise, how it was developed. After losing their teeth, they will swim to the bottom of the freshwater system, i.e. rivers, ponds, and lakes, sift through and find gravel to put in their mouth, on their hard plates, in their bills, to crunch up their food. This process they would do throughout their entire lives, replacing the gravel as needed. They were born with teeth and decided, you know what? I don't need teeth. I'll just use rocks. That seems about right. Plasmoses are also carnivores. They eat insect larvae, shrimp, tadpoles, bugs, sometimes worms, mussels, and even occasional snail. But that is pretty cool, right? Because then, like, you don't... If your teeth, like a lot of animals, when your teeth fall out, you're dead. So you don't necessarily have that problem. True, true. That's, uh, I didn't think about that. That could be a benefit. And also, I imagine if you have uh, different types of, you know, your basic carnivore diet, maybe you find rocks that are a little sharper or rocks that are a little flatter if you're finding certain type of, you know, change your 
cooking utensils, so to speak, in your mouth for whatever you're eating. Their hunting process, though works, I would definitely say is unique. When hunting, platypuses will close their eyes, ears, and nose, and dive underwater to find their prey. The method they use to locate their prey is by another sense, located in their beak. While swimming underwater, blind and deaf, they use electrolocation to pinpoint their food, much like a shark does. After watching a video of a platypus hunting, boy, they do miss a lot. It's a good thing their prey is slow. The electrical, the electrolocation sense in their beaks allows them to navigate through murky waters for freshwater systems tend to be muddy and murky. So this feature allows them to find their food much better than with their eyes and ears. In general, this water-based animal hunts at about 0.4 meters per second, which is less than one mile per hour, and at a top speed about one meter per second, which is about 2.25 miles per hour. Again, keeping it uh, imperial for you, Nick. And it's also a very good thing their food source is slow. While under the water, platypuses can swim for 30 to 140 seconds at a time before needing to come up for air. But the platypus weird eating process does not end with them having no teeth. Once a platypus finds and grinds up its prey, the meal does not go to the platypus's stomach. Nick, do you want to take a guess on what happens next? They regurgitated and eat it again? No, that'd actually be more normal. After grinding up their food with gravel that they put in their mouth, they swallow the prey, only the food doesn't go to their stomach. That's because platypuses don't have stomachs. Instead, their food goes from down their esophagus straight to their intestines. Platypuses, though, spend majority of their time in the water, do occasionally venture onto land, walking like a lizard and using their clawed web feet to navigate. You see, their web feet aren't like a duck or a frog. Platypuses have claws that go halfway up their feet and webbing the rest of the way for the water. Claws for land, webbing for water. They use this weird combo to get around, though if you thought they were slow in the water, they're even slower on land. On land, they are more vulnerable for obvious reasons, but majority of their predators are water-based animals. When it comes to a platypus's predator, when it comes to a platypus predators, it's more of an educated guess on what they are. Reports of crocodiles, eagles, and some types of fish, guanas, which is a type of lizard, and the occasional dingo will sometimes kill platypuses. Well, they have been known to eat babies. Yeah, that no, that's a true story. That's a, it's a really dark story. <laughs> the reason why all these predators are an educated guess, well, much like the platypus itself, the platypus in the ecosystem is a complicated one. Another issue with properly identifying their habit and predators is when platypuses are most active. You may think to yourself, platypuses are most active in the daytime. Or you might think that they are mostly nocturnal creatures. The correct one of those two is yes. <laughs> See, platypuses, they make their own schedule and is very dependent on the location they live. It's almost a case-by-case -case scenario of a platypus's active time frame. But... If a platypus is to survive past the first year and make it into their second, they will be able to reproduce. Breeding seasons depend on where in Australia you are. Some begin in August or October, others go all the way till March. This is pretty much the only time platypuses get together, for these strange creatures are solitary animals. They do communicate in captivity, so they think they might 
communicate in the wild. And the times they do com communicate in captivity is when they are being handled by humans. They make a low-pitched growling sound. So during their how are platypuses like endangered, or they're just so hard to study that we don't? Why do we not know anything about them, or why do we not know the stuff? Uh, they're not endangered. They're at risk. I just think it's just hard to study them, or people don't want to study them. That's uh, that's, that's where I come to uh, come to see. It's uh, I think they're they're not at risk, but they're at the cusp. It's I can't remember the exact terminology, but I guess it might be there. Just might not be the the funding in other countries. I just know in the United States, it's you know you can look up behavior studies for almost every animal and you got one you know down to freaking lampreys which are just very small small fish you know obviously you're going to have one on like your bigger game fish like your salmon and steelhead but and then deer and elk there's a million but just i, I don't know i've never had any to not have all this information just seems weird to me well you also have to imagine these are mammals that lay eggs that are in the water i don't i'm trying to imagine the closest one would probably be beaver and but beavers are kind of universal throughout the united states platypuses from everything i research seem to be different as you go up and down the coast well back to their breeding season males still having that venomous spur located on their hind legs will use it to compete with other males for the right to mate Though the venomous spurs will produce venom all year round, they are more venomous during mating season. The venom that the platypus produces is not meant to kill. They are more of a stun venom. Though I do not recommend getting stabbed by a platypus, for apparently, even though their venom is non-life-threatening, it's extremely painful. The pain can even last for months. The pain, according to people who have been stung or stabbed, not quite sure how... If, a, if you get hit by a platypus, if it stings you or stabs you or bites you. I mean, that's got to be embarrassing either way. Uh, agreed. But here's the kicker, Nick. This pain will be immediate, and you'll not be able to get morphine and other different types of painkillers to dull the pain. The platypus venom is not affected by morphine or certain types of painkillers. You will feel the pain no matter what. Well, that's just unfortunate. <laughs> yep. And like the platypus milk, scientists think the venom of the platypus might be useful for humans. The venom contains GLP-1. It has an actual scientific name, but it, considering it's me trying to say it, I gave up. That seems fair. I appreciate you. <laughs> You're appreciating me a lot your today. limitations. <laughs> I appreciate you. Well, this GLP-1 may be used to aid in diabetes treatment. But say you're a platypus who made it their second year of life. You beat your competition, and you're about to mate. Once again... Platypus can't be normal, can't even have sex normal. The male platypus has a double-headed penis, which I do not recommend looking up because that is now an image burned into my brain. There's zero chance that I'm not looking that up. Okay. Uh, I If you're going to venture down that, I recommend looking up their cousins, the Inchalas, which are also part of the monotremes, which have a four-headed penis. And like other females in the, in the mammal kingdom, platypuses have two ovaries, but... And I take this with a grain of salt. Apparently, for platypus females, only the left ovary is functional. I couldn't verify this information, but I saw it come up a couple times. 
Once pregnant, the female will create a burrow and use her tail to carry sticks and grass to create a better home. It is important to note that all platypuses use their beaver-like tail to grab and carry things, pregnant or not pregnant, male or not female. Sometimes they grab bundles of sticks just to block themselves in their home so they won't be disturbed. Then the cycle repeats. Birth, fuck, and death. The platypus in the wild can live up to 12 years, while in captivity can live around 20 years. Now this is when the platypus enters human scope. Some information on how the knowledge of platypus existence made it to the Western world is chaotic. Colonizers and explorers began exploring Australia to find new spew of quote-unquote exotic species. Explorers were writing about this strange creature that they would come across, and nobody back home seems to be believed them. But to those people back home in their defense, if I didn't know any better, I would say the platypus was a made-up creature by someone having a laugh. An explorer by the name of John Hunter was traveling to the western part of Australia and decided to kill a platypus and taxidermy its body. And then he would send that body to a Dr. George Saw. Dr. Shaw is immediately thought it was a joke. Immediately just dismissed it. Didn't even think it was a real creature. But more people kept sending taxidermy and skeletons of platypuses. So whether it be a scientific itch or just pure curiosity, he went in and looked at the taxidermy platypuses to try to prove that they were a hoax. He began to cut open the stuffed platypuses looking for stitches, thinking that people were just randomly stitching animals together, trying to fool scientists. He could find no stitches. So, in 1799, Dr. Shaw wrote the first published scientific publication description, and everyone who read the article thought Dr. Shaw was off his rocker or feeding into the hoax. It wouldn't be till a few years later when a Colonel David Collins in 1802 wrote a book called An Account of English Colony in New South Wales in which he described the platypus. Suddenly, people started taking the idea that the platypus might be a real creature. A few years after that writing, it was deemed a real creature, and they tried to name it. And guess what, Nick? The platypus naming system? Just as weird as the platypus itself. First calling it a platypus anatinus, meaning flat-foot duck-like, but that name had it be changed because it already belonged to a type of beetle. So they changed it, and I'm going to butcher this, to Ornothorachnus antius, meaning bird-like snout and duck-like. But that previous name platypus already stuck as a layman term. So platypus actually has nothing to do with its real name. That seems that seems right. I mean, that's a, that is a more fun name. Not gonna lie, I'd much rather prefer to call something a platypus. Well, that wouldn't be the only name for the platypus. Before colonizers and explorers from other countries started coming to Australia, the Aborigines were familiar with it and custom to the native species. The Aborigines, depending on the region, have different names for the platypus. Bundaburra, Maligong, or Tambert are some of them. And they even have a story on how the platypus came to be. Now I'm paraphrasing this story, but the Aborigines have a interesting myths. Many of them are called Dreamtime Stories in translation. And their story on how the platypus came to be goes like this. There was a river made up of many different territories. Some of the rivers were rapid, other parts calm. Upstream lived a flock of ducks. 
never dared ventured away from their territory, until one duck named Daru. Daru was a female duck who decided to disobey the elders and venture out and risk going into the water devil's territory. This water devil was named Bigun, and he was a water rat who controlled a big territory. As Daru ventured into Bigun's territory, she ran into the water rat. Out of fear, she tried to flee, but was taken captive by Bagoon and his spear. Once a captive, the water rat would force himself upon her. Weeks would pass before she could escape, making it back to her native territory. But she was already pregnant with the water rat's babies. Daru would give birth to hybrid animals, half duck, half water rat. The offspring had fur instead of feathers, bill, and webbed feet, with a spike on each hind leg as reminiscent of the water rat's spear. Ashamed of her offspring and shunned by her community, Daru would leave with her babies to find new territory and raise the first of the platypuses. That's hilarious. How did this thing get here? Well, a, a rat and a bird fucked. <laughs> well, it's definitely not one of the happiest stories I've ever heard, but it's definitely unique, and it makes me want to go investigate more evolutionary mythical stories. As for the modern platypus, still much unknown is about their life, we keep finding something new every few years. As now, like I said, they're at risk or a threatened species. Uh, water pollution is having a havoc on them and their, and their ecosystems. They're kind of sensitive to the water, like a big like pH level change, like heavily affects them. And something else I want to point out, if you're ever searching for platypuses, Nick, and you're deep in Australia, and you're maybe out there for photograph, scientific reasons, or just curiosity, I recommend bringing an ultraviolet light. The reason why is platypuses which aren't weird enough, but platypuses in ultraviolet light glow blue and green. Of course they do. Why would they not? Yeah, I <laughs> I just imagine like Mother Nature and God going through. Uh, are they going to have this? Check. Are they going to have this? Check. Are they going to have this? Check. Or have you ever had like a mixed together meal where like, eh, I got this and this. I'll put it together and see what happens. It seems like that's a platypus. So next time someone tells you about a creature... That seems like a tall tale. Just remember, in nature exists an egg-laying, poisonous, glow-in-the-dark, nippleless, beaver-duck-like, blind-hunting aquatic mammal who doesn't have teeth. And hopefully I brought this creature a little bit more into light and a little bit more into the scientific world. And Nick, I hope you learned a thing or two. Yeah, but I feel like you're making most of it up. I'm not, and uh, even if I was, the platypus would probably be even weirder than whatever I can make up. With that being said, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.